My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. definitely do not feel that this province is moving in the right direction. We know that whether it is our built environments, transportation, industry, agriculture, all of these sectors that contribute to our carbon emission profiles, that we are not doing enough to stem our emissions. We are not on track to meet our targets that you know, are increasingly becoming critical to securing a livable and sustainable future. That's the voice of Millie Roy. She and Angela Bischoff are today's guests on Talking Radical Radio. This show brings you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are involved in many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening can strengthen all of our efforts to change the world. These days, a few reactionaries and fossil fuel industry apologists aside, Most people do not need to be convinced that the climate crisis is real, that it is serious, and that we need to do something about it. But even so, governments and corporations consistently refuse to take action of a kind and scale that the crisis demands. Sometimes they say encouraging things and do a little bit, sometimes they don't, but so far, none are doing enough. So what do we do? There's no single answer to that. If you look at the history of social movements, when they are vibrant and successful, they are invariably constituted by lots of different kinds of organizations, with different social forms, different constituencies, and different specific goals. And there are definitely people experimenting with lots of different possibilities when it comes to the climate crisis. Today's episode focuses on one such experiment. In 2021, a collection of primarily environmental groups and health groups started talking among themselves about what to do about the fact that Ontario is moving in the wrong direction in terms of climate action. They decided to form a broad, loose, nonpartisan coalition of both individuals and groups, the Ontario Climate Emergency Campaign, or OCEC. Through months of consultation with a wide range of experts and constituencies, they hammered out a 12-point climate action plan to serve as their basis of unity, and you'll hear some of its details in the interview. They then used that action plan, both before and after their formal launch in April 2022, to expand and diversify their support, amassing endorsements from more than 250 agricultural, arts, business, labor, education, faith, environment, youth, seniors, education, community, and other kinds of groups, representing more than 850,000 Ontarians. Millie Roy is speaking today as the co-chair of the OCEC. Angela Bischoff works with the Ontario Clean Air Alliance, one of the member organizations of the OCEC. The alliance has been around since the 1990s and played a key role in pushing the province to phase out coal-powered electricity plants. These days, they're very involved in opposing the plans by Doug Ford's Conservative government to renew and expand the province's nuclear sector and to vastly increase gas-powered electricity generation. The Alliance's decision to be part of the OCEC was similar to how lots of groups decide to get involved in broader coalitions. It was a chance to bring their central concerns together with those of other groups doing different but related work, and to speak with a louder voice. The loose character of the coalition is key to how the OCEC works. 
In both intervening in the provincial election that took place earlier in 2022 and since, it is the member groups of the campaign that have done the largest part of the on-the-ground legwork, pushing forward their own particular demands. The Ontario Clean Air Alliance, for instance, succeeded in pushing the opposition parties to at least some level of opposition to gas-burning plants feeding Ontario's electricity grid. In the election period, the OCEC itself did some media work, as well as some work specifically to engage youth, and now they're using their 12-point plan as a basis for media work, lobbying, and public actions. The Conservative majority, given a second term by June's provincial election, is, alas, not one that seems terribly inclined to take climate action. But the OCEC is inspired by a similar coalition in Quebec called Le Pacte, which has been part of successful efforts to force an anti-environment government in that province to take meaningful steps around climate. Today's guests acknowledge that coalitions can be difficult. They can be a lot of work, for instance, and they can result in more radical demands being watered down or silenced, even when such demands are clearly necessary. But both are pleased with the role the OCEC has played so far, and are hopeful that through bringing together and amplifying the existing work of its many member groups, it can be one useful organization among many to push Ontario to finally take the kinds of climate action that we need to see. I speak with Roy and Bischoff about the Ontario Climate Emergency Campaign. I am Millie Roy. I live and work in Southern Ontario. In my other life, I'm a practicing physician. I came into this space with the interconnectedness of health and climate, which led to my joining the Canadian Association of Physicians for the Environment and ultimately to coming on board to help conceptualize and now serving as co-chair to the Ontario Climate Emergency Campaign. The idea of OCEC was to form an environmental democracy movement in a sense. It is a nonpartisan campaign with a loose coalition structure in that we have tried to bring together both group signatories and individuals with the groups in particular representing multiple diverse sectors from across Ontario to come together with the shared purpose of empowering citizens and urging our political leaders through the democratic process to drive climate action that we urgently need to move forward sustainably. My name is Angela Bischoff. I am a longtime environmental activist. Since 2008, I've been working with the Ontario Clean Air Alliance. To set the stage for OCEC's work, what had Ontario's response to the climate crisis been like up to, say, last year when the campaign started to take shape? We definitely felt that there was a lot of work to be done. We definitely do not feel that this province is moving in the right direction. We know that whether it is our built environments, transportation, industry, agriculture, all of these sectors that contribute to our carbon emission profiles, that we are not doing enough to stem our emissions. We are not on track to meet our targets that you know, are increasingly becoming critical to securing a livable and sustainable future. In order to influence these policies, we need to have government and government level, higher level policymakers, you know, on board, but they also need to feel supported by public opinion and the public essentially driving the policy making of our elected leaders. So that is reflected in the 
goals or purpose of the OCEC, which is to try to drive climate action and influence climate policy on both ends of the democratic process. So on one end, we seek to increase awareness on climate issues and educate on climate issues for the general public in order to drive voting based on climate and environmental concerns. And on the other end of the spectrum, to try to advocate for a very highly vetted, researched, evidence-based climate action plan at the level of our leaders and policymakers. And that 12-point climate action plan is a very central document to the OCEC. And it is, in fact, our first order of business that we spent many, many months trying to get that plan right with consultation done very, very widely to make sure the science was right, to make sure that it met review from policy experts on the equity side and so on. And before we get any farther into talking about the OCEC, Angela, why don't you tell listeners a bit more about the Ontario Clean Air Alliance, which is one of the participating organizations in the OCEC? The Ontario Clean Air Alliance, its goal is to move Ontario to 100% renewable electricity grid. Their first campaign began in 1997, and that was the founding of the organization. A small group of environmentalists came together to call for a 100% coal power phase out. And at the time, we got about a quarter of our electricity from burning coal. And we led a campaign to call for the coal phase out. And we got political support from the opposition parties. Eventually, the governing conservatives caved and they were the first party to agree to phase out coal. Then they lost the election and the new Liberal Party actually made it happen. By 2014, the last lump of coal was burned in Ontario. In 2008, when we knew that we were on track to phasing out coal, then we turned our attention to phasing out nuclear power. At the present, we get close to 60% of our electricity from nuclear power. It's very expensive. It's very dangerous. It produces long-lasting radioactive waste that we don't know what to do with. And it causes all sorts of health issues. So they hired me in 2008 to begin the phase-out nuclear campaign. And then when the Doug Ford government was elected... They chose to cancel all the renewables and conservation programs and instead ramp up gas and build new nuclear reactors. So their current goal is to ramp up gas 600% by 2040 at a time when the world is phasing out fossil fuels and at a time when we're globally dealing with a climate crisis. The Ontario government is ramping up gas power such that we'll receive about a quarter of our electricity from gas by 2040, if the Ford government gets its way. How did the OCEC get going? Through CAPE, or the Canadian Association of Physicians for the Environment, we made a very conscious decision last year to focus our advocacy efforts as a group on the Ontario election. And as we sat down and started to think what that could look like, we realized again that our impact could be that much greater by working in partnership with other groups. That led to some very early preliminary roundtable brainstorming sessions around September of 2021. And that really was the birth of this idea that became OCEC. 
The first thing was to come together to agree that something more needed to be done for the climate because we are headed in the wrong direction. The next question became, well, how do we do this? So as we sat down and scratched our heads and thought about it, we wanted to think about what other provinces or other jurisdictions perhaps had already done before us that had maybe worked. One of our first inspirations that we looked at was a movement occurring in Quebec. It was a wonderful movement called Le Pacte, and it sought to do very much what we are hoping to do with our movement as well, which is to engage the broader public to help drive voting along the lines of priorizing climate action. A lot of work was done. There was very good buy-in from the public. They too were working towards an election as one of their first goalposts, and the government that they had hoped for was not elected. However, the really inspiring lesson that came out of this is that voters had become aware enough and public opinion had shifted just enough that the government which was elected, in fact, was in a sense forced by public opinion to bring in a lot of pro-environmental and climate progressive policy. So that was something that I found very inspiring. The other huge role model came from the other side of the country in BC, where the Climate Emergency Unit, which is a temporary project of the David Suzuki Foundation, had helped to found a similar diverse coalition-based movement, bringing together many different sectors who had all come together and agreed to a single set of climate demands to be brought to government. And it allowed for much greater impact in making specific demands policy-wise to government. And we have been very, very thankful for the support and good counsel that we've received from the Climate Emergency Unit. So much of our initial effort was put into developing this climate action plan. We really wanted to get it right. There are 12 points. For instance, the very first point is that we want to make sure that our leaders are continually setting binding climate targets that are based on science and justice. We wanted in doing this to respect Indigenous sovereignty and autonomy and to you know, incorporate Indigenous partnership and consultation. We want to make sure that our economy reflects these targets with a zero emissions economy. This means ending all fossil fuel subsidies and rapidly winding down our dependence on fossil fuels. Because of the strong health component, we have a point that we must be prioritizing public health in all of our policies. And this has to be centered around the fact that the climate crisis is now recognized as the single greatest human health crisis of our time. These policies have to address our built infrastructure and transportation as some of our highest sources of emissions in Ontario and agriculture as well. We must also protect natural biodiversity. We also felt that in order to have the proper support for all of this to occur, that the policies must also incorporate a broad public education campaign so that everybody's on board. We all have the right to truly understand what's going on with climate and how it affects our everyday lives. And in doing all of this, we want to make sure that we leave no one behind, that all of these goals and policies must respect equity and justice as well. In terms of our partners, 
this coalition structure. It's not rigid at all. It's a very loose structure. But the idea of having a broad partnership. Initially at the table, some of our earlier partners were those who were already working in the space because we depended on the broad expertise that we were partnering with initially to help develop, review, revise our climate action plan. Once we had that developed, so we had a central document to actually be able to present, we then wanted to reach out specifically beyond the health and environment bubble. We wanted to get, you know, our local businesses on board, our educational institutions, our seniors groups, our youth groups. Currently, we have over 250 signatory groups who have signed on to OCEC, onto the campaign. If you look at the individual memberships of each of these individual groups, the reach or complete representation numbers over 850,000 people. Our formal launch occurred only at the end of April. We had a formal press conference held at Queen's Park. And really, it was just those last few months before the June 2nd election that we really drove our sign-ons. And what it showed us is that there certainly is an intense interest out there. And Angela, why did the Ontario Clean Air Alliance decide to participate in the OCEC? And what have you done under that banner? We followed the lead of the NGO community that was coming together in advance of a provincial election, and we're happy to support it. And our primary focus moving into the election was the gas ramp up. That made it into the principles of the OCEC campaign to phase out fossil fuels and to phase out gas in particular in Ontario. So there was a very direct connection. We made sure it was in the set of policies and we supported them. But our campaign work was separate. In the lead up to the election, we focused on pushing the political parties to call for a renewable future and to oppose a gas power ramp up in the province. Now, OCAC supported that. We worked alongside, essentially. And many other groups within OCAC all had their own you know, campaign goals But we came together as a coalition to set out a set of principles and bring other smaller groups that maybe weren't involved in the provincial election. We brought them all on side to be part of this much larger coalition. And now hopefully together as a team, we'll move forward and take on other efforts collectively. How did the Clean Air Alliance and the OCEC as a whole intervene in this year's provincial election? I'll let Millie speak to what the coalition actually accomplished. But what we actually accomplished in the lead up to the election is we got support from the Green Party of Ontario and from the NDP Party of Ontario, and not explicitly from the leader of the Liberal Party, but essentially all those three parties have said that they will phase out gas power in Ontario. Now, we did put a lot of pressure on the Conservative Party, but the fact that Doug Ford has a majority and can do whatever he wants, I mean, it's a nightmare for the environmental community and a nightmare for electricity in Ontario because prices are going to hike up because of rebuilding nukes and building new nukes and emissions are going to skyrocket. So yeah, we made some inroads, but we've got a lot of work ahead. 
the first thing that I did want to mention when you asked what has, say, OCAA done under the rubric of OCEC, that we feel the strength of this is simply bringing all of these groups together, but not in any way to change or influence the amazing work that's already being done. The idea being that we can select certain larger scale issues where we all have a common goal and push together. And that hopefully increases the impact and our chances of a good outcome. You asked what we may have done for the election itself. Forming this partnership in itself or this coalition structure was in and of itself one of the main actions prior to the election. But we focused on wanting to raise awareness amongst the public so that people start to understand that these decisions being made at government levels have real impact in our everyday lives. And we tried to look at the issues that were coming to the fore during the election campaign. And unfortunately, despite all of our efforts, climate was not the number one issue. So we looked at things that were being tagged, so affordability, housing, and tried to connect those back to climate, which really does influence each and every one of these factors. We tried to raise awareness by use of the media. We sponsored a youth visual art project. We wanted to engage the youth vote as much as possible. So we ran a special program trying to engage youth in workshops and so on, because we realized, of course, that we needed actual engagement in the democratic process if we are to actually drive climate action you know, through democracy. And that is something that is leading to our current focus, where we are now trying to work on the upcoming municipal elections in Ontario. So many climate impactful decisions are being made at the local and municipal level. And in the face of this conservative provincial government, what scope is there to actually make gains around climate issues? And how do you intend to approach pressuring them? In addition to working on the municipal elections, we're planning our next public action, possibly on the grounds of Queen's Park, something to get media attention and public attention. I won't talk in too much detail yet about what that action would be because we haven't finalized our planning, but the idea being to have a very public action to which MPPs would be invited to participate and then use that attention as a segue for our next concrete plan, which is to bring our 12-point action plan directly to government. It remains to be seen how much this government is willing to engage but we will be pressing on with getting feedback on this vetted action plan, which tries to bring together some of the key priorities of our different partners and which collectively are the most important priorities in stabilizing our climate future. And I would add, I think the real opportunities for influencing the Conservative majority government right now is to focus on the economics. So that's our opportunity. In addition to, you know, the public is very concerned about climate change. If they knew that the province was ramping up gas power 400%, they would not be happy about that. So we have to just keep reaching the public and reaching the politicians and keep our eye on the end game here. And we've already got 33 Ontario municipalities that have signed on to phase out gas power in the province by 2030. So there's a lot of political support and momentum already pushing from the grassroots up into the municipal level, which is going up into the various parties. You know, we just got to keep pushing that momentum. 
the economics are a really strong argument to move in the right direction environmentally as well. And on top of that, I would throw in health. And we have this triple bottom line where the same solutions are good for the environment, good for our health, and good for the economy. And realistically, when you consider those three put together, how can you mount a cogent argument against it? What are the strengths and the challenges of working through a broad, loose coalitional structure like the OCEC? I find coalitions can be a difficult way to organize. As a result of that, I haven't taken any leadership role in this coalition. I've chosen to just really focus on my own campaign work. For example, we had included in the draft OCEC principles the issue of nuclear power, you know, the danger and the expense and the fact that it actually delays real climate action, which is much lower cost and can be rolled out much faster. That is a potentially very controversial statement. Some groups, maybe labor groups, other groups may actually water that down or request that that be removed. And there was a conversation around that. In the end, it stayed in. But more sort of marginal or radical or difficult principles will get watered down when you try to engage a whole different set of communities to organize together. And that can be a real strength when you come up with a statement that everybody signs on to. That is a real strength. But it can also be a weakness because you're going to lose people in the process. The OCEC for our first major campaign, which was the election, I think handled it really, really well. They were able to get a broad variety of different groups on board. No guarantee that that will continue moving forward, but so far so good. What we were very pleased with is to see the rapid rate of uptake. We have over 250 groups on board and many other individuals. Membership of all the different groups is well over 850,000 people. And that's a strength, a huge strength as well as the fact that we have a very broad-based variety of groups who have signed on as partners. To be successful in a movement such as this, we really need uptake from across all sectors of society. And the challenge, of course, you know, as Angela said, one of the reasons that we had to spend so long trying to get things right with the action plan is to make sure that it included the most pivotal priorities that we could not overlook in presenting an action plan, but at the same time that it was acceptable to the broad-based partnership and coalition that we're trying to form. It's very difficult to please everybody, but then of course that becomes our strength because we have so many different people at this table. But a challenge, of course, is how do we mobilize the potential strength of this group? We want to keep growing, so that will be one aspect. But even as we grow, how do we fully realize the potential power when you have this many people who could potentially push together for some of the most key and fundamental priorities that we all accept as something we can get behind? You have been listening to my interview with Millie Roy and Angela Bischoff about the Ontario Climate Emergency Campaign. To learn more about it, go to ontarioclimateemergency.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.